So, Darren, we've uh, we've come back to um, record this podcast in the middle of our little pre-election break because of some breaking news today. Um, and that is um, pretty uh, worrying stuff for you fellas. Um, poor old Todd, Toddy Todd, Toddy to his mates. So I think I think we called him Todd Toddy in inverted commas, Muller, <laughs> has um, decided after a mighty 53 days at the helm, um, many cups and cups of tea and lie downs um, at 5pm, he's decided to call it a day because it's all got a bit much for him, the little lamb. And, um, you know, is what I'd like to say, Darren, is, is ask a question, really. What I'd like to do is ask you a question. Do you think that Todd looked at other political leaders like Simon and Jacinda and Winston and thought, God, they've got it easy, them, them people. They've got it easy. Anyone could do that. I've run a few businesses. I could run a political party. I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. Got the position and then thought, Fuck! It's actually really hard. Oh, look, I mean, um, thanks, Matt. I can see how much you're fucking enjoying this tonight. Um, <laughs> look, um, there's a, it's interesting, right? I mean, you hear about this thing at work where people get promoted one above their capability. Yeah, and, I'm one of them. Uh, I'm one of them. Uh, yeah, no, no, I think you're about three above your capability. <laughs> but, um, look, I, um, I feel sorry for him. Um, he, he genuinely, I think, came in with the best of intent. Um, you know, the whole Bridges thing was controversial because Simon Bridges is hugely popular within the National Party. Um, there's a few people at National pretty disappointed with what Todd's done. But at the end of the day, if this is impacting on his family, if it's impacting on his health, um, and he's recognised he's not the right person, well, actually, you've got to give respect to him for calling it because there's too many people that would have just hung in there just for ego. Um, I think it was pretty obvious from the outset he wasn't really prepared for the role. Um, uh, you know, again, hats off. He, he put himself up there to be shot down. Most people didn't think Bridges was going to get rolled, and he did. Um, but, you know, throughout the thing, he's kind of few mistakes, and they've been pretty big mistakes. Um, I think what he probably underestimated is just how brutal the media is. Um, and I think when you make a mistake in public as, a, as the opposition leader or any leader, um, there's nowhere to hide because everything's recorded, everything's filmed. You, can't, you, you haven't just said something and you, you can brush it away. It's like it's there, it's said, it's recorded, it's in the public domain instantly. You know, I remember six, seven months ago, maybe a bit more, when one of the Labour Party front benches didn't even know what GDP stood for. And it was filmed because <laughs> it was on Parliament TV. And, and you, can't, you can't ever rewind that. You can't take that back. And um, I, I just think the media were, were pretty brutal um, to him. Were they any more brutal to him than anyone else? Um, they yeah. made a very big deal of the whole diversity thing, which I think was wrong. I think what Todd Muller actually did get wrong with Nikki Kay is instead of doubling down and going, no, we are we have the best people in our list um, for the for the for the job. Um, we're not just bringing people in because they're an ethnicity or because they're a sexuality or because they're 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 one sex or another. I think they almost became apologetic for that, and that made the spotlight on them even worse. Um, I don't think they should have been apologetic for that. 
it being apologetic about it did seem to go a little bit against what you expect from the National Party. It threw a bit of a curveball out there. It's like I would expect Labour or Greens um, to be diverse and to have a diverse front bench and make an effort to do that. I didn't expect National Party to do it, and I certainly don't think their core supporters um, and the lights have just gone out in this room. Um, yeah, it's just the lights have gone out. On you can different... see a ghostly <laughs> photo of Michael Joseph Savage behind me, <laughs> casting um, casting his eyes over over what we're doing. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was a, it threw a real curveball, I think, to actual National Party supporters, um, and that probably put a little cast a little bit of doubt among them about whether he was the right person for the job. But I do want to I do want to touch on something because I think there's for something that you've raised because I think for me there's two things really. One is was he the right man for the job? Did he go in with a slight sense of entitlement and privilege and not understand exactly how brutal it is out there? And that's one thing, and you can criticize him for that, and I'm quite happy to. Um, and I think it's true. But on the other hand, you're quite right about how brutal the media are to our political leaders. And I think irrespective of um, what party they're from, do we really want to see, you know, the job of the media is to hold politicians to account and to make sure they're being honest, they're delivering on what they've said they're going to deliver on. And, uh, you know, they're not allowed to get away with shit. Um, but how do they actually overstep the mark quite often and increasingly in terms of absolutely monstering politicians for every little thing, whether it's Todd Muller, whether it's Jeremy Corbyn back home in the UK, whether it's Simon Bridges or Jacinda Ardern for that matter, are they actually going too hard on them? And in fact, does that risk increasing cynicism among the electorate, which leads to the rise of politicians like Donald Trump, um, and also alienate people that would have a very good and productive role to play in politics? Does it alienate them from taking that risk, put them off taking that risk because they know that they and their family are going to be under the spotlight 24-7 uh, and is in fact that cause for concern? Look, I, I think the media globally are, are, are atrocious when it comes to politics. It's almost like they've got this thing where they feel they're, they're entitled to be as famous as the people they're interviewing and um, I, yeah, I have a big issue with the media and I think when you turn on New Zealand media was probably, uh, you know, it's probably one of the lighter media, but, you know, there are people in, in our media that do go super hard. I mean, look, every media outlet has a political persuasion. You know, it's Joe Biden in America, it's CNN, it's Fox News if it's Donald Trump. You know, in the UK, the Daily Mirror used to be the Labour Party, the Sun used to be the Conservative Party. Over here, Mike Hoskins is very squarely the National Party. Radio NZ is the Labour Party, you know, it's... But, yeah, the, there is sometimes where the media almost don't allow the politicians to think and almost goad them into responses. And I think that's where Todd Muller failed, is he, he didn't shut some of this down. And becoming apologetic about stuff, then they then try to justify, oh, she's Chinese, well, actually, she's Korean. Oh, he's Maori, actually, he's not... You know, and, and it was actually quite funny this morning. I hadn't actually seen the news at the time that Muller had resigned. I was I was working. And one of one of my guys that works with me, who's also pretty pro-national, um, sent me a note and he went, well, there goes the fucking election. And my instant response was, oh, for God's sake, they haven't got somebody's race wrong again, have they? Like, like literally, that was the expectation. It was just like another gaffe. 
And he was like, no, nah, mate, you need to turn the fucking news on. And I like turned it on. I was like, holy shit. Like 53 days. I don't even know if Mary Queen of Scots was that short <laughs> in power. But um, well, yeah, Mike, Moore, media... Mike Moore was apparently Prime Minister of New Zealand for 59 days. Wow. So uh, that was Prime Minister as well. So um, 53 days. Look, he's called it. And, and the question I'll ask myself, and then I'll ask you a question, is, Am I am I worried for the National Party? Um, no, I'm not worried for the National Party. I don't think anyone's expecting them to do a great deal anyway, this election. They were always... The problem is, and we've seen it with the Labour Party in the UK, you've seen it with the Conservative Party with Boris Johnson, Theresa May. We've seen it in Australia with Kevin Rudd, Julia Gillard, Scott Morrison, Malcolm Turnbull, Tony Abbott. We haven't seen so much of it here. But when a party's in opposition, it quite often goes through a serious period of turmoil. I think what people have forgot is before COVID came, Simon Bridges and ACT could actually have governed alone. They had almost enough to govern alone. COVID's come, completely changed the political landscape. I have my opinions about how Labour have answered it and that's not for, have, have handled it. That's not for tonight. But... That one event has completely changed the political landscape in New Zealand. I think if National picks someone relatively um, good, and I really think there's probably only one candidate, but if they pick someone relatively good, I think they'll get through the election. I don't, can they realistically win it? I've always got to think they can, because why would you turn up and vote if you didn't really think that? Um, but I'm not really concerned for National. They have got uh, some strong people in their party. They've got some really good up-and-coming people in their party. If this was Labour, I'd be really concerned because they've really only got two or three heavy lifters in their party. Um, you know, um, Ardern, Robertson. Um, I don't rate Hipkins. I don't rate Megan Woods. You know, you look at them. Um, they're, they're not, they've got, got a lot of depth. I think the National Party have. Nikki Kay, Amy Adams. Simeon Brown, um, you know, um, Paul Goldsmith, Simon Bridges, Paula Bennett. They've got some pretty good, uh, um, Judith Collins, uh, Mark Mitchell. You know, they've got some pretty strong politicians there. So I'm not worried. I'm really concerned that this has come at a bad time. But then I look back in three years ago and Ardern took over in August. I don't think New Zealand's going to fall for it a second time. But no, I'm not concerned. Um, I think it's a oh, rebuilding phase. Todd Mollo was just in Dwarden for the Nats. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, I actually think Muller was probably someone who was going to get replaced anyway, regardless. Um, I don't think anyone thought that Muller was realistically going to win the election. I, I think, think you've, raised, uh, uh, you've raised a good point there, and it's something you've, you've talked about in the past, which is that before COVID, Simon was doing all right, actually, um, as leader. Was it a mistake for the Nats to get rid of him, and should he come back now? Well, look, I mean, you know, politics is results-driven. It's like football, right? It's like any sport. And um, When the team are performing badly, the manager takes the hit, right? And I think what the big problem with Simon was is he chose the wrong tact through COVID. I think Labour were bad enough in certain things that actually had he have taken the right tact, he could have actually have made significant difference. I think he took the wrong tact. Um, of being constantly critical rather than being really clever about what the battles were that he picked. 
Um, and instead of shooting down all the time, actually, if he'd have been clever, um, he probably wouldn't have lost so much ground. I don't think it's right to bring him back. Um, he's probably the best hand um, because, you know, he has been through a lot of shit, you know. National have, like, been in opposition for three years. Um, he took over from English, who took over from Key. Pretty pretty big names to take over from. Ardern tanked. Moss shooting happened. She rose. She tanked. COVID happened. She's rose. I mean, he's, he's rode a lot of storm. I don't think he's the right person to come back. Um, I know you're going to push me on who I think should get it. Yeah, so, yeah. I might as well, so I might as well answer that question now. Um, if you want a safe pair of hands to get through the election, someone who's likable, um, somebody that could galvanise the party in the back room, probably before Christopher Luxon takes over in April next year, probably Mark Mitchell's the best guy. I if knew you were going to say Mark Mitchell. Mark Mitchell. Um, <laughs> I could predict if, that. If, uh, if you want somebody that's just going to create a shitstorm, potentially go out and believe that they can actually win and really, really take on Ardern in Parliament, then it's Judith Collins. It's Crusher, yes. That's it. If I, if I was National Party, I'd be picking her because you don't want a safe pair of hands now, in my view. You want no, I think it's all out. You want someone who's going to go on the attack um, and just and appeal to the base, keep the base motivated. And um, and be a strong leader as well, and not back down on their positions and not apologise for stuff. Um, no, and, and she wouldn't, right? But here's a question for you now: um, as a Labour supporter, which of the candidates do you fear the most could actually be a turn up for the books? I honestly don't know, um, and I have I have been playing a lot of crim criminology today in terms of trying to analyse what's going on in the caucus and what people must be thinking and who the who the runners and riders are and stuff like that. Um, and to be honest, had started doing that when, when Todd became the leader. Yeah. And um, I, I think there's different strategies a national party could take. So one is you could actually have Nikki Kay, right? She's likable. Um, she's competent. She's, um, she's centrist and she actually can appear. And she's a, she's a woman. She can, uh, you know, she can appeal to some of that same instincts that Jacinda can appeal to. And actually... But that's the problem, right? If you're the voting public, why do you just want Jacinda in a blue dress? Well, that's the other side of it. Of why course. is your point of difference, right? And, just so, so this is where... So Nikki Kay if you, would be if the Nats had longer and there was more time for Jacinda to make mistakes and Labour to make mistakes, then you might want... That's where you would want Nikki Kay in, I think, to be able to yeah. actually t capture some of the same spirit. But there's no way she would have time to do that now. So that's where you're then thinking, like you said, safe pair of hands or an attack dog. And I think the two people you've named would make sense. I think I have seen some talk about Jerry Brownlee as a safe pair of hands. Um, personally, I don't see it. I think that he's just in nothing. Um, I personally think that he was probably the... My personal opinion is I think that he was the weakest member of John Key's cabinet. Well, I certainly don't think he's like leader material no, at all. No, especially no. not after no. especially not after, you know, what they've just been through. Um so no, I, I think Mark Mitchell in terms of appearing like a stereotypical competent Kiwi manager type. Um, you know, he's the kind of person that would be a safe pair of hands, and I think Crusher is the sort of person that will go on the attack and um, take every opportunity they can to to put a, put the boot in. Um, I so think the only problem with Crusher is, of course, 
the, the, will it believe a divided caucus? Um, you know, you can't see that she's going to work with Bridges. You can't see that she's going to work with Bennett. You know, I, I don't really. Um, yeah, who's she going to? Who's she going to galvanise in the back room? Um, I think she's going to be one of those leaders that goes charging out in front, fucking goes for the juggler in Parliament and turns round and there's nobody there. They've all like decided to just go to the back benches in Wellington for a pint. So. Well, um, did she have the last time? Was it she had two the support of two members of the caucus? Yeah. So yeah. I think you've got to bear that in mind, and I think you're absolutely right. She's exactly in that position potentially, um, and that may be why she won't want it. I mean, she won't rule herself out. I mean, look, Simon and Paula could come back. I think if 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 Bridges well, Paula, comes, Paula back, won't. Comes back. Well, what you I mean? She might reverse her decision to leave Parliament. Mate, you mean the same as what um, Amy Adams and um, Nikki Kay did when Simon right. stepped down? You know what I mean? Very so, fair point. Very fair point. What, what happens to those two if Simon comes back? Do, does she decide she's going to retire again now? Or does she decide that, oh, no, actually, I'm going to stay and support the leader? I think they've got a few issues there. They've got to work out. Um, you know, if two female politicians quit when Simon comes back, it just looks a bit average you know even if there's nothing there or not um i think the whole thing that this proves right and um you know you work in a responsible role i like to think that i work in a responsible role at work the fucking politics is brutal right um it must be horrifically brutal even within your own party there's probably people you can't trust right i mean what's going to be going on in that caucus tonight is whilst there's going to be kind of like a galvanised front, and I think this happens in any political party, I just don't, this is national, there is probably 55, 60 national MPs going, I care for my job, and I'm going to pick the person who I think can keep me in a job. And I think that's politics all over, right? And um, all of your kind of guys that are 30 and 40 on the list are going, is Bridges going to keep me in a job or is Crusher going to keep me in a job and stuff like that? I think it becomes very, as much as you talk about these United Caucuses, it does become very um, self-interest. Uh, I think where Labour have probably got the edge on national in this is that Ardern, when she took over, was pretty close to the campaign already. So she was already kind of in there. Whereas at the moment, apart from Paula Bennett, no one else, like, Mitchell and Collins has really been that close to the campaign, I don't think. So it would almost be like a campaign start 67 days out. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Whoever, oh, look, <clears throat> whoever, whoever takes it has got an absolutely thankless task. And um, one of the things I was thinking, though, is it'd probably be what would be a real, really hard for them is another reshuffle. Because actually, we've only just had one, but they're going to want to reshuffle for the reasons you've already alluded to of getting the people that are there, the, the, the trusted, the trustees uh, in there. But they're not going to want to have yet another reshuffle for people who have barely had time to get on top of their briefs anyway. I think if you want to avoid a reshuffle, you put Mitchell in charge. Well, yeah, because he comes from the same grouping well, as correct. well, really. Yeah. yeah. I think you put Mitchell in charge. If you don't want upheaval and you want safe hands, you put Mitchell in charge. The list 40 will probably mix around a little bit, but you won't see a lot. Um, if you want to see mass change and controversy and attention being brought to the National Party, 
because the one thing about Collins, I think she operates on any attention's good attention, um, whether or not. And um, she's actually got the balls for express, excuse, you know, excuse the phrase, to actually take the media on. She she won't like take it like Muller, and and like back away about the MAGA hat and back away about the diversity. She she'll be like right in you know she'll be all in so well, um, i actually don't think she'd have made either of those mistakes in the first place either though correct yeah no i don't think so but uh, had a right on the optics i mean look the one shot the one the one thing that is going in nationals favor and and you know i'm gonna i'm gonna try and be you know um i don't know the word i'm looking for but i'm gonna try and be you know try not to try not to be too controversial but I still think Labour have got problems, right? And so if if this was Labour trying to do this to the key government and the key government, for whatever you think about them, they were solid. They had massive high performers in Key and Joyce and English. And, you know, those kind of guys were key. They were all high performers. Labour's got problems. They had their campaign launch no policies, no real direction, let's keep moving, SFO investigation. Oh, let's come on, right? Two things, right? First of all, um, if you'd ever been up against Stephen Joyce on the radio, you would not call him a high performer because he is not on top of, he was not on top of his brief at all, in my experience. Secondly, um, I'm just doing a little bit of name drop in there as well. <laughs> um, secondly, um, Serious fraud office investigation. So let's come on to that. Let's take the national for a little bit. So look, the whole SFO thing, first of all, they're doing an investigation. Well, good. Um, probably should investigate all political parties. An investigation doesn't mean there's anything wrong. It means that there's an investigation to see whether there's anything wrong. But secondly, I think that campaign and electoral political finance in this country needs to be reformed. And I believe there were previous attempts under Helen, well before my time, but I think Helen Clark did reform it and John Key promptly tore up the reforms when he got in, um, the mighty John Key. But I don't see why there should be any overseas um, political donations whatsoever for anyone. Um, now, I, I have no doubt that dodgy things have gone on in all parties. And I think that, um, you know, I would always be very careful as a Labour Party person for criticising National too much around party financing because who knows what's going on with any of the parties um, but I think allowing overseas political donations especially in a country of this size is extremely dangerous because actually it doesn't cost that much money to influence things and to change things um, so let's ban them altogether. we can if we can ban people from uh, buying property here we can ban them from buying votes and buying political parties and um, I think there should be much more transparency around political donations for the rest of us. I don't see why. If you believe enough in a political party to make a donation to it, and I do, and I have, um, you know, why shouldn't you? Why should you be afraid of having your name up there? No, I totally agree. And uh, you almost sound like you're running for an election for Advanced New Zealand there, with the um, <laughs> very aligned policies to Jamie Lee Ross. So uh, kudos I'd be to you. Less eligible for taking a seat. Uh, under him than I would be under anyone else. <laughs> I'm not even a citizen yet. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so uh, oh, I'm glad to know that news. I think we need to change the rules about who's allowed to stay in the country then. Um, 
But um, yeah, look, I I agree. I mean, this is a, this is um, a rel- you know it's a small country and things can get bought very easily. Um, and and I agree. You know, Bridges has been under the SFO. Jamie Lee Ross has been under the SFO. Um, you know, Winston probably should go under the SFO even more if he uh, if he isn't already. Um, so should Shane Jones. I've never seen anyone spend so much money and get nothing in return. But um, you know, uh, is it a deal or no deal? I don't know. I guess what it gets what it finds. It's um, it's a bit of a dust cloud really at the moment, and nothing really more than that. Um, I think that, you know, the Labour Party being investigated by the SFO, so what? Um, to be honest, I want to know what their policies are. I want to know where all this money's coming from that they're saying they're going to spend and what they're actually going to spend it on because I've seen absolutely no substance. That's more that worries me than the fact that they're under the SFO because if we are going to have them for another three years, let's just hope to God they don't bankrupt the place. Well, yes. Don't worry, if they do, then the Nats will come riding in and save us. Um, Again, just like we had to do after Helen Clark. Just like Labour has to come in and save the country after nine years of uninvest- underinvestment and uh, failing infrastructure and all the rest of it. Um, but how, how many times have the Labour Party had something called a rock star economy in New Zealand? Let's move, because um, we've been doing quite well to, for, with our bipartisan approach tonight. Um, we have. Actually. So... Um, Fucking hell, the crisis, right? The COVID crisis. Oh. Um. Oh, actually, I don't know if this is publicly knowledge yet. I'm going to say it anyway, and if I get trouble, luck. Uh, or I might just edit it out tomorrow night when I'm editing this. Um, I'll find out tomorrow if it's whether I'm supposed to say it or not. So, herd immunity doesn't work. Um, no, that's been I think um, Sweden. Sweden take- testament to that. Exactly. Vaccine is um, the vaccine is a long way off, and then you've got to deliver it, and that might not even work. Um, the world has changed permanently. This is not even this is not even a World War Two scenario anymore. This is a new thing. It's beyond that potentially. Not in terms of actual mega deaths, maybe, but certainly in terms of the way the world works. Yeah. Look, I mean. I don't know if you've seen the announcement out of Qantas tonight, um, but no. Qantas have effectively cancelled every international flight around the world apart from New Zealand until March 2021. Right, oh, so yeah. That is no international flying to any. So, number one, how are Australian citizens getting home um, unless they're coming home from New Zealand? Um, I, I just almost get the feeling there's someone out there we don't know. You know, um, if, if what you've said is public knowledge tomorrow, you know, um, that two years cancelled flights until March 2021. There's a lot of long term things now being done around the world where you go, does somebody know something that we don't? I mean, for God's sake, look what's gone on in Victoria in the last two weeks. Australia went from like something like 27 active cases and I saw today, Victoria have now got 1,800 active cases. Oh, I know, it's in insane. Two weeks. It's insane. I mean, but that's how it works. It's exponential. And that's where, um, who, who's going to say we're still, you know, no border's perfect. A she'll be right border is less perfect than some. Um, I'll have to tell you something off air as well. 
No, that's good then. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, this COVID thing has, has affected me personally because my, my daughter, as you know, lives in Australia and she, she um, on Saturday got informed that some people that she lives with had potentially been in contact with uh-huh. someone that's been positive. So literally as we were coming on air tonight, she just sent a message to say her COVID test has just come back negative. Thank, Thank God. God. <laughs> um, but yeah, like my 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 daughter, my own daughter's actually had a test in Australia because what I believe, but what does concern me as well is that not only are we seeing like all the flare ups again, and let's rule it, you know, let's say New Zealand, we cannot rule it out. No. Um, the other thing is just the long term health effects from pe- for people on people who have suffered from COVID. Yes who have recovered yes. apparently to full form after months and months and months, but have actually had got lasting changes in their bodies as a result of it, which who knows what the long-term effects of those will be. This is like if the mad cow scare that we had back in the UK um, yeah. had actually come true, this is it. This is almost, it feels like this is what that would have been like, but on a global scale. It almost feels that every hundred years there's a cleansing of the population, doesn't there? I mean, mm. I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but coronavirus is almost so perfect you can't help but think it wasn't designed because it's just so brutal and so virulent. And, you know, we have the flu and we have this and we have that. And, you know, I'm reading stuff on Facebook where people are going, oh, it's only got a 0.1% fatality rate. And I went, where have you read that? Like, I've read that it's got a 7% fatality rate. Yeah. So oh, yeah, well, if you're under 60, well, hang on, we don't just disproportion the population. <laughs> and go, oh, well, I'm sorry, that, that doesn't, it doesn't count anybody under here. It's like, no, that's almost like Boris Johnson's approach that people in care homes don't exist. It's like, it's ridiculous. It's, um, it has to be judged on its totality. And um, I think you're right. I think it's scary. I mean, we actually talked about going on holiday at Christmas and overseas is just totally out of the question. And, and, God, who knows how long for? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, I can see, we, we've talked about it probably to death in the past, but I can see some kind of bubble opening with some of those Pacific countries. But even then, they are still, so um, a friend of mine, her sister's needs to return to Samoa. She's yeah. actually trapped here. Um, she can't go back yet. And even when she does, they're still going to force her to quarantine for two weeks, even though she's coming from New Zealand. Because they've had no cases in Samoa. They had such a traumatic time with the measles epidemic not that long ago that they are just not prepared to risk it, even though they totally rely on our tourist dollars for their entire economy, you know, for a large part of their economy. It's just not, um, you know, it's just not happening for them. And it's, this is what I mean about where I think that this is a total rethinking of the global economy is needed not just those of us that have got family and friends overseas that we actually would like to see at some point in the flesh but um you know just the whole way we do trade the whole what is the tourism industry now it doesn't exist basically and well the tourism industry is quarantine hotels well exactly and even then you don't need that many of them no, and domestic travel, that's literally your tourist industry because then, New it's Zealand physically impossible to do anything else. Exactly. And then from a New Zealand point of view, what's going to happen when the 600,000 Kiwis in Australia get kicked out because of their economy tanking and they've only got one place to go? It's here. Yes. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's an absolute game changer for the, for the entire world. And you're right. 
you know, my wife's got elderly parents in France. She potentially look at it now that they, she may never see them again. If this goes on for three years, four years, who knows, right? I mean, it's uh, it's totally going to change the way we live, the way we work. Yeah. You know, I look, at, I look after a team in Australia. We've had to change our structure in Australia in my team because I can't physically be there and manage and travel and stuff like that. So we've had to change the structure of our business already um, to, to get around that because I literally cannot be there meeting customers, doing performance reviews, um, attending functions, conferences. So we've had to literally change the structure of our sales team. It still reports to me, but obviously on a much lesser scale now, it has to be less reliant on me. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But one thing I am finding amusing, though, is when people break out of isolation hotels, <laughs> right, and this is not political, so no, 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 no. I'm not going to be political, but no, one thing that amazes me, right, why is the first place you go the fucking supermarket? No. Like, I kid you not, I don't want to go there any day of the week. So when I've been locked down, it's the last place. Like, go to the glowworm caves or something like that. But fuck me, the supermarket. I know, I know. But it's just an indication of how fucking stupid these idiots are. And it's because <laughs> I'm not exactly a, you know, I'm not a death penalty guy. But for these people in this country where we've actually beaten it, it's like, fuck them. They should go Thank to prison for a long time. A very oh, long time. I, I've still got something that I'm really interested in. I don't think the Labour Party are ever going to say, and I don't know if you're ever going to know, and I'm going to be really controversial here, and I'm in fear of potentially, I'm not going to get called racist, right? But I might edit this bit out. No, fuck this yeah. bit. No, no, I think this bit has to stay in. Mm. I would like to know the percentage of, 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 of people that are citizens and people that are just... Nationals, you know what I mean? Um, Permanent residents. Residents. And I know you're one, so this is not, you know, particularly aimed at you because you haven't gone overseas and then 10 years later just decided it's nice and convenient to come and live here. I'd be interested in that, you know, because I'd also then be interested in all these fuckers that have escaped, what, what they are. And I don't think that really makes or breaks, you know, but at the end of the day, how much respect have you got for our country? You know, you, you want to come back. You want to... Two women in... that went on the road trip. Those two women that went on the road trip, they were British, weren't they? They should have been fucking sent straight back immediately. Like, put on a plane and sent straight back, <laughs> it's right? It's totally not a race thing. It's totally not a race thing. It's these, it is people who aren't maybe committed, as committed to this country and do want to just come here as a safe haven... Yeah, they want to come here. Oh, you guys aren't dying. You guys aren't have community spread. I'm going to come here. And then I'm going to behave like an absolute fucker. And then I'm just going to completely put your country at risk. Like, I'm sorry. I don't care whether they're English. I don't care whether they're American. I don't care whether they're Chinese. If you're not a citizen, I would put them straight back on a plane and I would send them straight back. Well, no do you know what? If you, want to find out, if you want to find out their background, just um, ask Michelle Bogue to email you. <laughs> you know, oh no, I should just uh, why, why don't I go straight to the source and ask Ashley Bloomfield why don't I just go straight to the Ministry of Health because that's where it all came from so I might as well just go and talk to old Ashley and he'll tell me anyway yeah, so. yeah. well I don't think Hamish Walker will be sharing any of it anymore anyway, <laughs> what is it <laughs> hey, let's, um, this is a political question then for a little bit but what is it about Clutha Southland are they actually going to get a decent MP this time 
because they've had Todd Barkley. What is it about Todd's as well? But <laughs> what is it about Todd's? Clue for Southland and their fucking MP since Bill English. Poor old Bill um, stepped down because you know, say what you like about him, he was a he was a quality MP in terms of knowing what he was doing, and then oh. he's just been replaced with two really young fuckwits. Nice. Basically. When you're when you're mayor of um, Invercargill's Tim Shadbolt, there's just so much about that part of the country, right? <laughs> yes. He cycled, cycled, cycled his whole way there or something, didn't he, to become mayor? That's right, yeah. He's, uh, he's insane as well. But, yeah, look, I don't know if we're going to get a good MP down there at all. It's been uh, a pretty sad state of affairs, hasn't it? We're going to get another, like... Oh, no, actually, no, sorry. They've already selected the candidate, haven't they? He's about 80. <laughs> I think he's called Todd, but I might be wrong. <laughs> well, there's a Todd looking for a job tonight, probably, that uh, <laughs> could probably go and backfill. Yeah. Um, listen, we've got to kind of got to go, but um, well, I've got to go. Um, but uh, good to catch up with you around this stuff. Uh, yeah, I think we should do this again. I think I've actually come out of hibernation now. I'm I'm actually ready to kind of get back into it again. Shit, maybe we will do another episode next week or the week after because um, there's what? plenty to talk about. Oh shit! Then well, and tonight. Um, no, nobody's giving you nobody's giving you gigs anymore. So, um, <laughs> and you've run out of new material anyway. So, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and I've heard that you ill-advisedly stripped at your last gig, which may may. <laughs> I think it was a well-advised strip, to be honest with you. Uh, not for the audience, but for the heckler. And um, yes, no, and. Um, I would like to do this because by next week, National could have had two more new leaders. Um, so, so there's no news tonight. Um, but what, I, what, what I, I'm not going to name drop, but what I did hear, I did speak to somebody before who's very close to Parliament. And um, they were like, yes, it's a pretty disastrous time for National. But at the end of the day, um, the impact on Todd was absolutely brutal. Yeah, no, no, no. Joking, as, joking aside, you could actually see, and, you know, I know that some people that will be feeling sympathy for Todd won't be feeling it for Jacinda when she's getting attacked every day. But I do think, joking aside, you looked at him during this campaign and uh, you could see the toll it was taking on him. Oh, yeah. I actually, shared, I actually shared a photo of it. I felt a bit bad even last week when I shared a photo of him on Facebook of him with a really massive dilated pupils. Um, looking like he was fucked and I shared it saying ha 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 isn't this funny man looks like he's on a pill come down but actually at the time I looked at him and I thought god mate I actually went back to the photo the next day and I was like god actually you do look unwell and I'm actually glad for him that he stepped down and glad for his family and all the best to him you know he's on the other side of politics but no one should have to suffer the kind of brutal attacks that political politicians have to I just don't think it's fair on them, any of them. No, I totally agree. Um, yeah, when it gets like that and it actually takes personal toll, it's like people in jobs. So, you know, people end up in really, you know, jobs that just grind them into the ground and it's awful to see. And, I, you know, I've seen people in terrible positions in, in the corporates that I've worked in over 30 years, you know, just people almost destroyed and broken and uh, mm. not for the fact that anyone's particularly done it. It's just that, the pressure has just literally just taken people apart. But um, 
on happier notes, live comedy is well and truly back now, right? Yes, well, it is. Well that's right. That's a good note to finish on. So, uh, I'm at the Ding Dong on Thursday, which will be after this is released. So, no, can't be. Oh, what a waste. So, uh, <laughs> no, no. Um, this will be released before the Ding Dong. So, if you're oh. listening to this and you like, get along. Like what I'm saying, come and see me at the Ding Dong. I won't be talking about any of the same things. <laughs> um, and uh, class Raw Monday Night Raw Heats at the Classic. Um, still every Monday. Darren is on regularly at Garnet Station on a Sunday. Um, <laughs> Don't be so bitter. <laughs> I've, I've never got never got picked. Um, trilogy is happening every. No, it's not. See, you've stopped. You, you, you're out. No, you're out. Like, I'll have to edit. Oh, my okay. God. Floston oh, Paradise. Floston Paradise Floston. is turning out to be a very... Floston is turning out to be a very good Thursday night out um, at, at Floston. And um, Jamie uh, Patterson runs a very good night there. Yes, he does um, indeed. Some brilliant acts. Um, generally an entirely 100% good lineup. Um, there's I was also there a couple of weeks ago, so that's probably why. You were. I heard it. The quality had dipped, but it's gone back up again. Um, <laughs> I'm going to help you out. Tuesday night to back and Wednesday to back, run by Chester Jarrett. Thursday night, Ding Dong Lounge with Gary Dooley. Floston Paradise, as you've said, with Jamie Patterson. Anthology on K Road with Brendan Lovegrove, also on a Thursday. Thursday's packed, man, because you also get Pro Night at the Classic on a Thursday. Yes. Uh, pro yes. Wednesday. And Friday at the Classic, Saturday at the Classic, Saturday, Saturday at the Max Bar. Saturday at the Covert as well. Covert. Yes, Saturday at Covert. covert. And uh, Saturday at Zach's Bar. And Sunday, Garnet Station in Westmere. So basically, you can go out every night of the week and watch quality stand-up comedy somewhere in Auckland. And you can listen to this podcast while you're driving to it. Fuck, that's value. Wow. You can you can literally, Auckland, never stop laughing. Apart from driving to the venue, listening to this, and if either of us are on. <laughs> and hopefully, hopefully, um, now Todd's going to have a bit more time. He'll be able to chill out, see a bit of stand-up, listen to this podcast, and relax with his family. All right. Thanks, Darren. Respect, Todd. Thank you, Matt. <laughs>